0: Hello, friends and politicos. Welcome into Studio 2. I'm Avi wolfman Aaron.
1: And I'm Cherry Gregg. Avi, ballots have been cast, results have been tallied, and now it is time to break it all down. We have gathered a roundtable of experts to analyze Election Day. We'll talk about Mayor-elect Sherelle Parker making history. Here she is last night. Who is Sherelle Parker going to be? a get it done Philadelphian, a get it done mayor, who won't ever forget her deep roots. I'm Philly born, I'm Philly bred, and I'll be a Philadelphian till I'm dead. I love you Philly, we are gonna do this together. She knows how to turn a phrase. I love a good rhyme. First woman and first black woman in that that role as mayor. We'll dig into that more later. Plus, we'll talk about the tight race for city council at large. Obviously, so much to talk about, as well as the contest in the burbs and statewide.
0: And Sherry, we want to talk to you. Yes. You being the listener. What are your takeaways from yesterday's results? What are your lingering questions? Email us, studio2 at WHYY.org. Or give us a call, 888-477-9499. First, let's do a few non-election headlines, starting with Mm -hmm. uh, what clearly looks like the most (laughs) important story of the day. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, People Magazine Mm. has designated Philadelphia Eagles offensive lineman Jason Kelsey as one of the sexiest men alive. I don't have too much more to add on that, Cherry. Do you?
1: Um. (laughs) <laughs> well, I will say his beard is amazing, great you know, beard. and he has a lot of swag. Mm-hmm. And congratulations. I don't know how his wife, the Mrs. Kelsey, uh feels about maybe that. Maybe she loves it, I don't know. You know, but maybe she absolutely loves it and agrees, but he's also on a list with people like Lenny Kravitz who I follow on Instagram who's really sexy. Um <laughs> so he has a great he's in great company, you know.
0: I promise we're going to get to the politics roundtable. I promise we will get
1: there. Yes. And, but he did not make the cover of People magazine, just so you know. Yeah. Um, and the t- the sexiest man alive for 2023, Patrick Dempsey.
0: Yeah. I was looking at this. Wow. And trying to think like a magazine editor. Mm. And when I think of Jason Kelsey, and I'm not saying he's a bad looking guy, I'm just saying it makes sense to pick someone who's sort of an unorthodox pick because that generates conversation. Mm-hmm. It definitely makes someone makes sense to pick someone whose brother happens to be dating the biggest pop star in the universe.
1: Yeah, because you get to say Taylor Swift in the same sentence.
0: And the whole yeah. point of this is for people <laughs> like us to say the name People Magazine over and over and over again. And they have been
1: successful in that. And well we did done. say it a couple of times there. But congratulations <laughs> to Jason Kelsey.
0: How about to a selection with a f- bit more <laughs> consequence now? New mm-hmm. Jersey. Oh, Cherry, as- take it away. Oh,
1: yeah. Democrats... Held on to their legislative majority in the state house. This is despite hopes from Republicans that they would flip one of the chambers. Avi, Republicans thought that they were going to capitalize on Biden's low popularity and issues of yep. offshore wind farms. We did a whole show about that, yep. as well as parental rights in schools. But Democrats, they pressed issues around abortion rights. They pushed for property tax relief over the summer, and they were successful. They, they were, gained indeed. seats. They Um, did. They think they
0: held their held their. Yes. Like everything's preliminary right now, but they held those margins in the Senate and the assembly. They expanded their margins. Mm -hmm. So this was not a red wave at all. In fact, it was sort of a blue tide the other direction.
1: I know it was it was, you know, a big win for Democrats in New Jersey. And remember Ed, the truck driver, Durr, Mm -hmm. the Republican out of Gloucester County that unseated state Senate President Steve Sweeney a couple of years ago. I do. Well, he lost. Yep. To Democrat John. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a big deal. That was a pretty big deal on another upset. Um, another big contest in the 11th district at the Shore, New Jersey. Uh, State Senator Vin Gopal fought off the his Republican challenger, Steve... Uh, De- I'm messing up his name. Denistrian, um, yeah. Denistrian, yeah. there you go. So that was, that was two major races mm-hmm. in our region impacted there, and I apologize, Steve Denistrian, that I, I, I messed up your name. Congratulations, I mean... Congratulations to the Democrats in um, in New Jersey on those wins. Yeah. And we had um, Brent Johnson
0: of NJN.com on the show last week. Yeah. And a lot of smart folks really thought the Republicans were going to make some gains here. If you recall, in 2021, uh, Phil Murphy was running for reelection and had a very tight race against his Republican challenger, Jack Chitterelli. So I think people saw that. As sort of a leading indicator into this election, and it just wasn't.
1: It wasn't, and we'll you know we'll talk about what this says. The Democratic kind of wins across yeah. New Jersey, also in Pennsylvania. We'll talk about that a little bit more, and in, um, in our second segment, um, now on to government in action. Yeah, now.
0: from government elections to government in action. Uh, I like this story from Billy Penn uh, about a newly introduced city council bill that would ban food trucks. At a very busy section in the Fishtown uh, neighborhood of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. If you've ever been to Frankfurt and Girard Avenue, it's a very hopping place. It
1: is. Fishtown's
0: a very hopping neighborhood right now. And this uh, intersection has always had a great selection of food trucks. But some of the local business owners, not big fans of these food trucks. They don't abide by all of the rules, allegedly, including when they're supposed to be open. Mm -hmm. Some people think they bring in a little too much traffic and noise. And so now there is a bill on the table to ban them. I I, I love these sort of small G government stories, these neighborhood conflicts, because they often tease out much bigger issues. And you always have sort of interesting perspectives from all sides. And uh, we'll see what happens here with the food trucks at Frankfurt and Girard. But it's generated a ton of conversation in that neighborhood.
1: And what's interesting is that these food trucks have been coming there for well over a decade. Um, They've been there a long time. Yeah, a long time. um, And, you know, they say a lot of times people just come there for the cheap food at the food trucks I'm and not necessarily for the that. restaurants themselves, but, you know, they get to stay open late because they don't have to, you know, follow by things. So that, that is definitely an issue. And there have been clashes over the years about um, the time, their closing time. So we'll see what happens to city council. And I do have to mention this, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> that some of the uh, neighborhood residents, if you've been to this intersection, there's quite a few bars frequented by, by younger men who who enjoy a drink or two, and the residents have nicknamed the intersection the Bromuda Triangle, which just I hats did off. not know that. Hats off. that's A Bromuda, a Vera, a Bromuda Triangle. That's a very good, because it's also an oddly shaped intersection, so it kind of looks triangular. Just hats off for a good nickname. Nothing to say about the food truck controversy. I just want to acknowledge. You a like good, a good You like a good I love nickname. a good pun. Yeah, you I do. I love a good pun. So
1: kudos to that pun. Also, kudos to disability rights advocates. Mm -hmm. They won big um, yesterday on Election Day. Voters in Philadelphia decided to keep the office for the people with disabilities. Uh, Voters approved this by nearly 86 percent of those who cast ballots. And this office, in case you didn't know, they ensured that the city uh, complies with the accessibility laws, like the Americans with Disabilities Act and the Fair Housing Act. Um, Kenny had created it in 2017 by an executive order, but you know, once a mayor leaves, it could be repealed. So yep. this would make it permanent. And within now the Home Rule Charter for the city. And I remember, Avi, back in 2019, I don't know if you remember this, there was this big lawsuit over the curb cuts in the city. I do recall that. And people with disabilities were having really hard times getting around. And the city settled that lawsuit saying that they would fix thousands and thousands of these curb cuts. So this is like sort of an expansion of that. And, and the city has a lot of people with Disabilities.
0: Yeah, I was surprised to read this uh, in the Inquirer's yeah. wrap up. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia has the highest population of people with disabilities out of the top ten largest cities in the United States. I, I never knew that. I didn't I was know that a little shame that I never knew that. Actually, um, so interesting. And and this is a one of those um, ballot questions. Yes, that of you see often when you go in the voting booth in Philadelphia. And yes. Usually wins. Um, and so oftentimes the framing of these questions matters a lot. But 86 percent is not close. Yeah,
1: that's that's a slam dunk yeah. for the um, office for the people with disabilities. Let's
0: do a little more election talk yeah. now. Jerry. We're digging in now. And stop me if you've heard this one before. Democrats dominated in the Philly suburbs. Mm-hmm. For years now, the collar counties around the city have turned increasingly blue. Last night, Dems notched big holds in some places and made big gains in others. And joining us now to recap the battle of the burbs is Kenny Cooper, suburban reporter for WHYY News. Kenny, welcome back to Studio 2.
2: Thanks for having
1: me. Hey, guys. So, Kenny, we're going to talk outcome in the Collar Counties. Lots of wins, but we're going to dig in in alpha order. And can we talk about Bucks County? It seems like, in my mind, some of the biggest upsets there. Let's talk about Bucks. Yep,
2: yeah, Bucks County, lots of upsets and lots of holes. You mm. know, it was only just in 2019 that the Democrats took control of the uh, Bucks County Board of Commissioners for the first time in more than 40 years. And they basically did it again. Um, Diane Marseglia and Bob Harvey, the Democratic incumbents, were able to keep their seats, uh, hold that Democratic majority. And uh, Gene DiGirolamo, the lone Republican, will likely keep his seat. And then if you get even more on a micro level, the Central Book School Board, which has kind of caught Mm -hmm. um, a lot of national attention for the anti-LGBTQ rhetoric um, and and decision-making that was going on at the board level, uh, the Democrats did a clean sweep of all wow. of the scoreboard races um, in Central Bucks um, that were available to run. So lots of big gains for the Democrats in Bucks County and lots of holds.
0: Yeah. And if folks uh, don't recall, in Central Bucks, there have been several policies put forward. Yeah. Um, described by opponents mm-hmm. as book bans. We talked about it on the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Clearly, that was not a winning issue at the polls, Kenny. Let's also move over to Chester. Kind of a similar dynamic to Bucks, where Democrats had had just taken control, they were trying to hold. Uh, Did they do so in Chester County?
2: They absolutely did. So Chester County had never had a Democratic majority uh, prior to 2019. And in 2019, they took that majority and they haven't looked back. The Democrats were able to maintain control of that board of commissioners. And they did well at the, uh, you know, on the row office level as well. So just like Bucks County, you have these longtime historically red areas that have not only shifted blue, but are kind of staying blue. Wow.
1: And and I I want to go into Delaware and Montgomery counties. Democrats did well there as well.
2: Yeah. Again, uh, it's like I'm <laughs> you're like a broken a record, Kenny. <laughs> you know, seriously, uh, Delaware County Council was, you know, almost all Republican um, for since the Civil War. And in 2017, they earned their first two seats, the Democrats. In 2019, they took complete control of the board. And the three you know Democratic women that gave them that edge in 2019 won again. Um, you know broken records again and in Montgomery County history was made you know that was the first of the collar counties to fall to blue and become blue um in 2011 when Josh Shapiro was a board of commissioner candidate yeah. and and uh, you know this time around Jamila Winder is now the first uh black woman to be formally elected as a commissioner in Montgomery County and Neil McKeeja, the uh her running mate the other democrat is the first Asian American mm. Uh, in Pennsylvania as a whole to be a county commission. Wow. wow. So lots of history being made as well.
0: So when the same thing is happening over and over mm-hmm. and over again, Kenny, it's probably not about individual candidates or individual races. It's speaking to something deeper. What do you think is animating suburban voters right now and pushing them toward the Democratic side? It,
2: it's a lot of things. And I, I think they're all kind of happening at once. You have these school board races. You have these book ban proposals. Um, you also have just this uh, kind of, you know, big national argument over abortion. Mm-hmm. And Republicans are finding themselves on the wrong sides of a lot of these key issues for suburban voters. Um, and then you also just have changing demographics. You know, the suburbs don't look like they used to. You know, there's a lot more diversity in the suburbs. They're a lot more welcoming. And as a result, you know, what you're seeing is you're seeing that these you know, long time Republican strongholds are breaking.
1: Very interesting. And Republican incumbent district attorney Matt Weintraub won re-election. I mean, what does this say about, you know, uh, Republicans? Do they have an opening? Do they have an opportunity here, even though you see these these shifts and in, in demographics and things leaning folks towards blue?
2: Yes, of course. You know, there's always going to be an opportunity um, especially in some of these collar counties that may not be as blue as Montgomery County, uh, f- for candidates uh, like himself, you know, there's always going to be that familiarity for some voters. And as long as they make, you know, you know, are able to reach across the aisle, uh, you know, voters will vote for them. You know, it's never just a matter of R or, or D. It's mostly a matter of the way that they carry themselves and how they interact with the community. And as long as you can make those connections, you can,
0: of course, win. Well, I think, looking at my crystal ball, a lot of folks are going to be looking at these results and these Mm -hmm. margins and projecting forward to 2024 2024, where the PA suburbs are going to be crucial. And of course, who's going to be covering it? WHYY's (laughs) Kenny Cooper? Kenny, thank you so much for joining us on Studio 2. Thanks for having me. And
1: coming up, our full panel of political experts. They're standing by. Chime in. Give us your thoughts on Election Day. 888 477 9499 or email studio2 at whyy.org. We'll be right back. Stick with us.
0: Very official political music I like there. it. Welcome into Studio <laughs> 2, everybody. I'm Avi Wolfmaner, And
1: I'm Cherry Gregg. We are jumping right into yesterday's election and the results now with a roundtable of guests. It was a big day for Democrats in our region in both Pennsylvania and in New Jersey. Lucky for us in the
0: studio, we have three seasoned analysts. Neil Oxman, a media consultant with the Campaign Group. Neil, welcome back to Studio 2. Thanks, Avi. Lauren Vitas with Inact Strategies also writes the Broad and Market Newsletter. Lauren, welcome.
3: Always great to be here.
0: And Mustafa Rashid with Bellevue Strategies. Mustafa, so nice to have you. Thank you for having me. And welcome everyone to Studio 2.
1: Yeah, and listeners, what issues or candidates got you out to the polls? We want to hear from you. Call us. The number is 888 477 9499. You can also email Studio2 at why.org.
0: Let's start with mayor, folks. Uh, Not a surprise in terms of who won, but still historic. The mayor-elect of Philadelphia is a woman and a black woman. And when I say that, and I'll start with you, Lauren, what springs to mind? How do you contextualize the history here?
4: I mean, it's it's remarkable. It's it's also fitting that she's the hundredth mayor of mm-hmm. Philadelphia. So it feels like monumental on on so many levels. Um, and I, I think it's also the context too. Is I think people are really looking for change and uh and how the city is being led over the last eight years and looking for someone who to 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 govern with passion um and in that regard i don't think we could have picked a more appropriate person than sherelle parker um if you've ever heard her speak about her lived experiences um the the issues she's tackled as a legislator both at the state level and the city level um, she's a track record of not only getting things done but just showing up every day fully bought into the work she's doing. And I think that energy and that that, that level of passion about the city is, is going to be a real breath of fresh air f- over the next four years. Mustafa, could I have you weigh in on this,
0: the yeah, historical ab- significance of Sherelle Parker's Absolutely. election? Absolutely.
5: Con- congratulations to Sherelle. As Lauren pointed out, the 100th is just it's significant in and mm-hmm. of itself. Uh, as I, I took my two young children to vote yesterday, and they got a big kick out of voting for her, a woman, and in eight years from now, it will be normal. It will be, yeah. you know, this is what young children, this is what young people will grow up knowing, is that a woman is a mayor of the city of Philadelphia, and that's just something that we do now. And I, I think that Sherelle, unlike, uh, it's so unique in her approach to governing and leadership, um, that we will be we will benefit from it,
3: and I think we're all looking forward to it.
1: Yeah. And, and Neil, did you want to add anything to that?
3: No, enough? no. I think, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think Lauren and uh, Mustafa said it, and, said it best.
1: And so let's talk about the her campaign a little bit and the electorate. Like, who do you think um, voted for Sherelle? Because we, we had less than a third of the electorate here in the city who cast ballots. Um, still more than we've seen in past mm-hmm. mayor races. Um, but still, I mean, more people didn't vote than did. Who do you think are the people who said yes and, and voted for her, and who, and who didn't? Who, who tapped out?
5: Well, I want, pulling back just a little bit, Neil and I talked about this a little bit last night, is that it feels like the mail in balloting has not elevated, or enlarged the pie. The pie has been the pie, right? It's yeah. that this is the number of the people that vote in municipal elections, and this is what we're going to get. And it's just, some people now vote early. Some people vote the day of with their ballots. Some people go in person and do it. The electorate just kind of seems what it is. And I think that, you know, for Democrats, especially the city of Philadelphia, starting yesterday as a test run for 2024, we've got to figure out how to grow the pie and make it a little bit better. So to mm-hmm. answer your question about who voted for Shirell, a lot of middle neighborhoods, a, yeah. a lot of middle neighborhoods. Uh, towards the end, one of the polling numbers showed that the, the largest block of undecided voters were african-american women Mm -hmm. and african-american women 50 to 64 those are super voters and so and i think sherelle took more than her fair share of them and it went from a close race in the primary to being sort of wide open and i think that's who you know and then last night just democrats showed up for sherelle that's 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 what they do um in the general and Uh, Part of what David O. was trying to do is convince Democrats to vote for him. And I just don't ever think the math is quite going to work out.
1: Yeah, and I want to, since you mentioned David O., I want to play this clip from him, part of his concession speech. Um, Here's David O. um, last night.
0: So I congratulate her. I wish her well. It is her responsibility now, and we will all support her to make her the most successful mayor that this city has seen, because that's what's in the public interest. So, Neil, I want to bring you in the Here's, conversation. Uh, I was going yeah.
3: <laughs> to, to, to answer Sherry's question. The reason no one votes because there wasn't an election. Mm-hmm. The last, you know, if you look at, I, I've done a lot of mayoral campaigns in Philadelphia since mm-hmm. 1979. Um, some contested in the general, some not contested. Um, you know, Rendell, Nutter, Kenny all had essentially – non-general elections. I mean, the, you know, the, the, the races were over by the primary. When Sam Katz ran twice against Street, and I did Katz's first race, the only Republican I've ever worked for, mm-hmm. you know, out of 750 campaigns, I've done one Republican once. You know, that, you had record turnouts. You had 350,000 yeah, people yeah, vote. Yeah. You know, the, the reason no one votes in these things is because, A, Shrell ne- did not run a general election. Period. There was no general election. They did no TV for the first time. The mayoral campaign did not do a TV. Mm. They put up some posters at the end of the campaign. You know, I hope she was taking her time putting an administration together because that's what she should have been doing instead of campaigning because she had a walkover. But there were no stakes for anybody. I mean, the the, the Working Families Party tried to make stakes. There were clearly stakes for, um, you know, for the for the Supreme Court race. And in fact, if you looked at the Philadelphia percentage of the vote for the Supreme Court races in 2015, when Democrats won three seats, Philadelphia was up here. In 2021, because it was Krasner, it was a general election, and Krasner mm-hmm. didn't really have a walkover, Philadelphia's percentage of the statewide vote was much lower, and the Democrat lost for Supreme Court by 25,000 votes. Wow. Luckily, enough Philadelphians voted to for state help for, races, the, for yeah. the statewide race. But the fact is, it's not. it didn't really say anything about anything. It's not yeah. like, oh, we're, we're disinterested. It's, it's a walkover. I mean, yeah. next year yeah. in the presidential race, you'll have five to 600,000 Philadelphians vote because there will be stakes to it. It will matter.
0: So we're talking now about, you, you mentioned putting together a cabinet, and perhaps that's what Sherelle Parker's been <clears> up to <throat> over the last mm-hmm. few months. We hope so. Yeah. Lauren, Lauren Vitas, I want to bring you back into the conversation. I wonder what signals you're looking for to Mm -hmm. tell you how Sherelle Parker is going to govern. Are you looking at transition team? Are you looking for announcements on departmental appointments? Like what are you looking for as indicators? Because I, I do think there's still some mystery around exactly where her priorities are going to be or her specific policies are going to be. What are the tea leaves you're looking at?
4: So I think you know the best way to look at what someone is going to do is to look at what they've already done. So mm-hmm. I think you're going to see um, Sherelle follow through on a lot of her policy focus as uh, a council person, as mayor, uh, and that is commercial corridors, um, preserving black wealth in the neighborhoods, making sure people are able to stay in their homes, increasing black home ownership, things like that. I think is going to be you know what her focus is. Um, Regarding the transition, you know, I had served on a, a transition team for the the last administration. Um, and, you know, to Neil's point, once the primary was over, transition started. Even, yeah. though, even though you knew you had to run mm-hmm. that general election race, you don't have luxury of time. You are sworn in on January 2nd. You have to hit the ground running from day one. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, what I hope to see in the coming weeks is... Who are the people she's going to be surrounding herself with? Um, who is the managing director? Who are the folks that are heading the departments that deliver city services? And I think that those are the, those are the things that I'm looking forward to seeing is who, who, is, who is her leadership team? Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's a big transition going from the fourth floor of City Hall to the second yeah. floor and being an executive. So you need to have folks that you can rely on around you. Um, that are are going to pursue the mission that you lay out um, you as mayor you know you can't you, you can't run every department yourself you have to be able to delegate mm. and yeah. have trusted people in those positions so that's really something i'm looking f- looking to see um, but I do think the focus is going to be on on the neighborhoods mm. um, interesting yeah.
1: yeah and I want to ask a follow- up to you um, uh, and Mustafa, I want to bring you in here and talk about because um, the police commissioner, something mm-hmm. she mentioned in her um, acceptance speech um, right. yesterday, uh, multiple times. Anytime you talk about it, she talks about the pol- police commissioner, public safety Correct. has been a big topic. Um, what will you be looking at um, with regard to this yeah. issue? And will she get a grace period? Because people think in, in some regard that she's going to come in and two weeks later, all the <laughs> gun violence <laughs> is going to stop. Yeah you know is she gonna get like that honeymoon phase at all
5: i i I hope so um and to tie in iris question and to lauren's point Sherelle has said judge me on my past experience that's how i'm going to lead moving forward so um public safety has been the number one concern Mm -hmm. and issue about the this candidate and so uh for the campaign and the police commissioner someone who's competent culturally competent Qualified and understands Philadelphia and its neighborhoods is going to be a, a critical uh, thing for Cheryl to take a look at, and so that, that's that's a great leadership position. And you're right; I don't think it's going to. We should expect immediate turnaround. These things do take time, but what we're looking for from the mayor-elect and any chief executive of the city is leadership and showing that they can bring all the pieces together to get public safety on the right track. I know I'm
0: backtracking a little bit here, Neil, but sort of at well, the core, lo- well, I was I- going to
3: say, lucky <laughs> for her, the bar is really low. I mean, Jim, you know, yeah. I used to think Frank Rizzo was the worst mayor we've ever had, and one of the great delights I've ever had was working for Wilson in eighty three when he beat Rizzo in the primary and then was doing Rendell in ninety one when he would have beat Rizzo in the general. But Kenny's been the worst mayor ever. I mean he's checked out. It's 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 awful. He had a good from the time he announced through the first year and a half or two years, he was terrific. And he did something that I've seen very few mayors do. He put his political capital on the line for the soda tax. I mean, no, you know, and his favorable was here. And when he did that, it dropped. And then it went back. And then once Floyd happened, he just checked out. And, you know, Billy Penn, which I guess runs out of this building, I don't know if it Mm -hmm. does, but you know, every day Billy Penn does the mayor's schedule. And he either had, you know, if you looked at John Street's schedule, Or Wilson's schedule, or Nutter's schedule, they do eight and ten things a day. Mm-hmm. Well, he let, does. Let me he ask does about you that. One
0: though. thing a day. Let me ask maybe. You about that though, because that was a that was a huge issue in the mm-hmm. in the primary, especially this idea we need someone with energy. Lauren, you brought it up earlier. Yeah. Parker clearly has that. Her energy is infectious.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I am curious because all she does is win elections. Mm-hmm. I am curious. She um, is a winner. Yeah. Uh, I'll bring this to you, Mustafa. Why at at her core? Why do you think she seems to be so electable? Why does she always win?
5: Uh, well, she Shirelle comes from a voter-rich section of the city, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Northwest and, Philadelphia. And that, yeah. they overrepresent, they overvote, and they always have. And so mm-hmm. I think that's helpful. She has had the benefit of learning from some of the great political minds in the city. She was Marion Tasco and Gussie Clark and Dwight Evans. So she's had the benefit of being able to to learn from them and she does well at, at she does well at elections I think because she does a tremendous job of getting people to connect to her yep. and her stories they they resonate um, and one of the things I thought resonates well I mean she's a, she's a parent there are a lot of parents in the city there are a lot of parents of young men in the city who want to see the city be a safe place and think that that person with these lived experiences has the best opportunity to do that for us.
3: Uh, she wasn't ever going to lose that primary. Yeah.
5: Period. Really? Absolutely really? not. Really?
3: Because I think a lot of She well, was never going to lose we're the the primary. We're backtracking a lot now, but I think <laughs> I a lot that, of yeah. people <laughs>
0: felt that yeah. uh, Helen Gim the progressive lane and Rebecca Reinhart kind of split some votes and that's that right. did open that's, up a
3: path. That's why she was never going to lose the primary. Okay. I, I mean, Helen, Helen yeah. came in with her arrogance and she what Helen didn't realize is you have to have people like you and no one liked her and Mm. she she was at 20% and never moved because all the geniuses around her thought that you know we're gonna do it and she realized and Rebecca came in and just you know did an inside straight against her and there was one great lane for a terrific African American because people do vote you know that way I mean you know and um she only got thirty three percent of the vote. It's mm-hmm. not like she won in a landslide. She got fewer votes than Nutter did the first time around when he was dead last and with seven weeks to go, shot by everybody because he made the campaign a referendum on who would be least like John Street. But she was never going to lose the primary. She didn't win in a great landslide, and she will. Be, she's a mystery right now about what the question you're asking is. She's a mystery about what kind of mayor she's going to be because Lauren is right. This is this is. There's no great you know. I don't care who the police commissioner is. The problem with the police department right now is we're a 1,000 officers down. Yeah, yeah. She's talked quite a bit about okay. that. And, yeah. and you know she's got to figure out something, which is no one wants to be a police officer anymore. Yeah. I mean, across the country. If you, if you drive out the main line and you go into the Wawa's in Ardmore, there are signs for the Lower Merion Police Department, which is pretty safe. No one gets shot in Lower Merion if you're a cop. $80,000 a year to start. Mm. So you can imagine how hard it's going to be for Mayor Parker to get people to come into this city where people aren't afraid to shoot at cops anymore, which is unbelievable, Mm -hmm. to try to get 1,000 cops.
1: Yeah, and I I gotta ask you this, and I wanna talk about the progressive wing of the Mm -hmm. Democratic Party. A lot of folks did not like sherelle parker email from james says i'm glad we have a democrat as a mayor but i'm concerned about her conservative police law enforcement opinions the national guard has no place in philly he says i think she's going to perform similarly to Lori lightfoot in chicago mm. in other words she's making history as a black woman but she's also too close to police interests for radical change to actually happen this is one of our our, our listeners and lauren weigh in on that because i see your head nodding because a lot of progressives were not happy Oh did get more votes than any Republican running for mayor in the past twenty years, even though it was only twenty five-ish percent. And so. in, a, in a
4: way, I think Shirelle is probably O's nightmare opponent in the general because she was further right than him on public yes. safety issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the the disconnect between the progressive uh, the progressive wing um, and where where Shirelle and Shirelle's supporters are coming from. A lot of the progressive wing doesn't live in neighborhoods where they step outside their front door and have to worry about getting shot. Mm-hmm. And so, the li- here, here, yeah. yes. And so, it's one thing to say and criticize the positions that she is coming out with, but they're not the ones who are worried about sending their kids to school and having right. them get caught in, you know, a <clears throat> drive-by shooting. Right. Yeah. So I, I you know, I, 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 I hear what he's saying. But I think there needs to be some reflection on on the people who are being impacted by gun violence and and not silencing their wants and their needs about what they want in their communities. Um, you know, so I think, again, this is where Sherelle's lived experience. And to Mustafa's point, she's raising a young black son. You know, she like she is more than aware of the interactions that happen between police and members of the, the black community in the city and how fraught those interactions can be. Um, and so i think that's why she is really you know has is is empowered to make these decisions and make these calls mm. in a way that you know the previous mayor was, was more hesitant to. Um, Can I
0: backtrack
4: so to...
0: I, yeah, 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 go like, ahead. We, we, this will be our last point on yeah. this. and so We do have to get to council. so <laughs> sure. go ahead and
5: yeah. yeah. right. so Backtrack. Uh, so backtracking quite a bit now. A few years ago, <laughs> there was a very popular slogan called defund the police. Uh-huh. And I will tell you, by and large, that that's not something that black people ask for. Mm-hmm. I felt that that mm-hmm. was something that a lot of liberal white Americans put out there. Black people, by and large, never asked for that. We asked for safe communities where police didn't abuse and mistreat us Mm -hmm. But we did not ask for black for not to be police officers when something's happening that requires police. And we want culturally competent police officers. Yes. Yes. When something happens, someone's breaking in my house. I'm not calling a social worker. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm calling a police officer. That person may have some social issues, some health issues and post arrest. Those should be treated. But at the time, I want a police officer who's culturally competent and capable to address that situation. So I do want to get to council and I want
0: to talk. Um, I actually want to bring in someone who won last Yes. Night, a council member elect. Rue Landau uh, is going to become Philly's first openly LGBTQ council member and is standing by to talk with us. Uh, Rue Landau, welcome to Studio 2 and congratulations.
6: Thank you so much and thank you for having me. So let's
0: start here. Um, what is at the top of your legislative agenda heading into your first term?
6: Ah, uh, the legislative agenda. That's a good question, but I do want to just comment quickly on what you were just talking about. Oh, I absolutely think that what's top on everybody's mind is public safety. Yeah. And uh, so long as you handle the legislative issues correctly, it all ties in, right? Safer neighborhoods, neighborhoods where people can afford them and- great schools and whatnot, all the reinvestment we have to do in neighborhoods all ties in to making safer neighborhoods and gives people hope and opportunity. And I think that's that's the way where we want to go. But, uh, you know, me, I'm a I'm a I I like housing. (laughs) I want (laughs) to make sure that every neighborhood uh, is affordable to people so that uh, folks can stay. Um, Sadly, you know, going around the city. Uh, talking to people in neighborhoods uh, throughout the city, um, it's clear that um, there's groups of people that if they have enough money, they're ready to move. And yeah. uh, we are seeing that with people who do have enough money already to move, we, that, who are moving. Um, we need to keep the tax base here. Uh, we need to keep people in Philly. Uh, I'm a big recruiter, so I can't wait to bring more in. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, Making neighborhoods affordable and making sure we're not pushing people out um, when we start reinvesting in neighborhoods, uh, both um, because of gentrification and also we need to make it so desirable that people want to stay. And I do think a lot of this has to do with the schools, uh, obviously, public safety And, um, you know, keeping keeping it affordable. Taxes Mm -hmm. and everything have to be affordable for people.
1: Yeah. And Ruth, this is Cherry Greg. Congratulations to you. Got to ask, because you, Nina Ahmad, uh, will be the first South Asian American um, Mm -hmm. council member. You are the first openly LGBTQ um, member of City Council now in Philadelphia, I want you to talk about um, just sort of your experience working as an advocate for different communities, how you plan to put that to work, um, because there's so many new people in council now. How do you plan to put all of that to work to get your legislative agenda passed?
6: Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, it's super exciting and such an honor to be the first openly LGBTQ council person ever in Philadelphia um i really you know i don't take this honor lightly this is um i know that i representation matters and visibility matters and i've heard from people all over the city and now people who are coming to me from across the state saying uh thank you um having a seat at the table and having like a real role in crafting legislation and policy Uh, is incredibly important to all of us. So I hope to open the the door up for many others and help lift them up along the way. Um, You know, I am, you know, I I cut my teeth as as an activist and I've been a a legal services lawyer representing low-income tenants and then ran the city's civil rights and housing enforcement agencies. I've had my um, hands in many neighborhoods throughout the city helping to resolve conflicts and to, um, you know, really uh, add civil rights protections both to our laws and also to make sure that, that um, uh, the city is enforcing those laws well. And I just want to continue doing a lot of what I'm doing. Uh, The great news is, is um, I, you know, I am happy to be, um, you know, a a first and, and, you know, congratulations to Nina Ahmed too. It's, it's, It's an amazing thing to be a first, but, but I do know that I bring other skills to the table and other ways in which people know me and the work that I've done in the past that I can't wait to build on yeah. going forward. Um, one of the issues in the city now, you were talking about the lack of staffing, and it's significant. Um, it's significant everywhere. And we some of the laws we have on the books, civil rights laws and otherwise, are, are great. Yeah. But if you don't have the people and the resources mm-hmm. to enforce them, then we're not getting where we need to be. And that I've heard over and over again.
0: Well, that is a person we're going to be hearing from over for the next sure. few years. Rue Landau, uh, just yes. elected city council at large. Congratulations again, and thank you for taking some time to join us on Studio 2.
6: Thanks so much for having me. Can't wait to talk to you again.
0: We're going to go to a break now sure. shortly. We're going to keep this conversation rolling. We've got to c- talk about city council, that yes. body that Rue Landau is going to be serving on uh, soon. We also want to talk a little bit about some statewide perspective and we have another expert standing by on that. So keep it locked right here to WHYY Studio 2. A lot more to discuss this hour.
4: Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth,
0: long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and
1: NPR. Welcome on back to Studio Two. I'm Cherry Gregg here with my co-host Avi wolfman Errant. We are continuing our conversation about yesterday's election.
0: I will reintroduce our great panel of guests sharing their political insights. We have Neil Oxman, media consultant with the Campaign Group, Lauren Vitas with Enact Strategies, and Mustafa Rashid with the Bellevue Strategies. Also joining us by phone is Christopher Nicholas with Eagle Consulting Group. We're going to get to Christopher momentarily. Uh, but first, Cherry, we want to talk a little city council,
1: right? Uh, yeah, the top five solidified okay. by incumbents, Isaiah Thomas, Catherine Gilmore Richardson. We got newcomers Nina Ru Landau, and of course, Jim Harrity held on to his seat. But then we got to talk about the Working Families Party. They've ousted all Republicans. And we have, you know, Kendra Brooks and Nicholas O'Rourke. They've been, both of those races have been called. What does it say about, you know, about, just so, how, well, the, the question is: Neil, go is, right ahead. Yeah.
3: Bob Brady having a hissy fit, mm-hmm. going crazy. Who's the know, head of the Democratic Party. Who's the here? head of the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, talking about expelling a 100 committee person people, like, you know, as I said last night, like the Stalin—purging them, like yeah. the Stalinist <laughs> purges, um, which is the dumbest thing in the world to have said. When, you know, if you looked at it, there's no way the five Democrats were going to lose, ever. And the, yeah. the gap between the five Democrats winning and the working families people is huge. I mean, there was no— you know, there was never a threat to the five Democrats losing um,
4: seventy thousand votes. You know, yeah, but, yeah it, it's and, a big
3: gap, and it, it's it just it's sad. It's in one sense it's sad, not for me because I'm a Democratic consultant, but the but the since the millions have left, what's happened to the Republican Party in the city is just there is no there's no opposition anymore.
0: Well, let me ask about that, though, Mm -hmm. because if I'm a Republican, I'm thinking, what else can we do? They ran two candidates that I think were viewed as moderate by Republican standards. They even got some key labor endorsements in these races. And they still lost both seats to a party that people had never even really heard of four years ago. So, Mustafa, let me ask you, did the Republicans make missteps here, or is there simply just no path left for this party in the city of Philadelphia?
5: I think it's a diminishing, if not almost entirely diminished path. They were moderate candidates. They did a fantastic job of distancing themselves from the national party. They had some fundraising, and to your point, they had some key labor endorsements from the building trades, and it just still wasn't enough to get over the finish line. And so I, I don't know what the path would be for Republican at-large candidates, but it have to be near perfect conditions or a backlash towards Democrats or, or working family members. Right. I, I think that may have to be a part of the solution.
1: And perfect pivot to you, because I got to talk about that 10th district race. You know, we have Brian O'Neill held onto his seat after all these years in the, the Northeast. He's the last have. Republican in city council. Did he, in your mind, win because of the district, which has a lot of Republicans, Or is he just good at his job? And and will Republicans hold on in the future? Uh, Bill
4: Greenlee was was on WHY Live last night and had a great line. And he says, people are very used to voting for Brian O'Neill in the mm-hmm. 10th district because they've been doing it literally for 44 years um, I think Brian is is sort of like a classic um, you know uh, retail politician in a lot of ways constituent services he he he, he he's very responsive to what his district constituents want and a lot of folks see him as kind of like a the the last stand between you know this is this is the tenth district that wanted to secede from Philadelphia and become Liberty <laughs> County um, and so I think it's, it's sort of a unique district that mm-hmm. he's in, um, and he's just an institution
3: up there. And Trump won some of those wards. up yes. there. Right. yeah. I mean, yeah. It, these are you know these are diehards.
0: So more bad news for Republicans. Yes. <laughs> we're going to bring in Christopher Nicholas now to talk about uh, some statewide races. That's uh, Christopher, a great setup, guys. <laughs> well, look, I mean, Christopher, we have to talk about this. Yes. Republicans swept in the statewide mm-hmm. judicial races, uh, including that big race for the state supreme court, Dan McCaffrey. Uh, beating Carluccio there. And that's not all. I mean, Republicans have lost lost both U.S. Senate seats. They've lost three straight governor's races. They lost the last presidential election here in Pennsylvania. This is supposed to be a swing state. What do Republicans need to do differently, Christopher Nicholas?
7: Before I answer that very brief question, I want to give give a shout-out to my former client, Brian O'Neill. I worked with him in his two previous contested elections. If he's proved anything, it's that Larry Krasner is still radioactively unpopular Mm. in the far northeast, because that was the bulk of his campaign against Gary Messino, the Mm. union guy up there who couldn't decide whether he lived in Philly or Bucks County. (laughs) Moving on to the statewide stuff, so congratulations, Brian. We have a situation in Philadelphia where the Republican nominee got about double the vote he should have gotten by registration, and in Allegheny County, you had a county executive race. they have home rule there, so they have a county executive, which is akin to a mayor who got forty eight and a half forty nine and a quarter percent so Republicans overperformed did not win obviously overperformed in the two largest counties, but obviously came up short so that was to me an interesting juxtaposition. Republicans have normally done better running female. Uh, judges for judge races which is why our ticket was three-quarters female this year but again they all went down I believe looking at the numbers recently that our candidate for Commonwealth Court Megan Martin had the highest percentage but was still not close at all um, you know to winning so it was a bad day for the home well for my home team Uh, and as Neil knows because we've both been in this business forever The only true actual fact in politics is that there's always another election coming up. Uh, So my goal for Republicans is to, and I'm talking to the 12 or 13 Republican listeners you have right now, (laughs) let's focus less on how people vote and more on doing some persuasion to them, because for us to keep and win majorities in the legislature and to win statewide races, we have to work on persuasion and not worry how people are voting by mail or on actual election day, right? Yeah. So that's about turnout. We we because there are anywhere from depending on how you count it, two hundred and seventy five thousand to five hundred thousand more Ds than ours in the state. Yeah. You know, we don't need any help to win in Bedford County, right? Or in yeah. Tioga County. But to win the swing seats, the seats that put us in the majority, we have to find better candidates, run better campaigns and move on with more persuasion.
1: Yeah, and that's that, that's going to be the, the playbook for Republicans. And zooming out, we only got a couple more minutes before we have to wrap this up. But I got to ask you, that New York Times poll came out this week, showed that Joe Biden was trailing mm-hmm. Donald Trump by four uh, points um, outside of the margin of error. Yeah, we, we have a Democrat who ran for Supreme Court, won by five percentage points. Y'all explain this math here. Uh, what does it say uh, as we look towards the future? And I want everybody to comment. Yeah. We have uh, just two things. Number, number one, yeah. I don't
4: I mean, I think the polling data just over the last couple of cycles has just been proven over and over again how off it's been. So I, I'm hesitant to really put any weight in these don't polls. believe it. Yeah. Uh, and number two, it feels like the Republicans were the dog that caught the car on the abortion issue. Um, yeah. It's mm-hmm. still it is still riling people up. Um, you know, it's it's a lot of the, you know, the Moms for Liberty in Bucks County, they swept those seats back. Um, yeah. So I think a lot of the issues, you know, it's interesting uh, to hear, you know, we, we had to talk about persuasion. Well, if your ideas are the things that are driving Democrats to the polls, I'm not sure persuasion is going to kind of get you there. Mustafa,
0: uh, yeah, but that, that discrepancy, <clears throat> the Biden versus mm-hmm. sort of Democratic yeah. outcomes discrepancy. Your thoughts?
5: Yeah, we mentioned at the outset that yesterday for Philadelphia County is a test run for 2024. Yeah. And um, Bob Casey won Philadelphia. He won Pennsylvania in 2018 with 11% of the vote coming out of Philadelphia. When Fetterman ran last year was 8%, so it's trending in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. So Philadelphia needs to figure out how to get that those numbers going back up. Um, Biden's, in my opinion, Biden's support uh, in those polls, are, that it's, shrinking, it's mostly because of African-American voters. And so he's got a year or less than a year to figure out how to shore those numbers back up because you cannot win – the presidency with less than 80% African American vote and that's where he is right now is below 80%.
3: Neil, real quickly. I think there's a I think there's less than a 50% chance right now uh that Joe Biden's going to win Pennsylvania it's scary. In 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 2016, Gary Johnson uh and Jill Stein got almost 200,000 votes as independents in Pennsylvania. If Bobby Kennedy's on the ballot, if Cornel West is on the ballot, you know, um it and and if And and Democrats look. You know, Democrats are scared about Joe Biden's age. Two thirds of Democrats do not want him to run again. (laughs) He's not only has he lost African American support, he's lost a lot of young people's support in the national polls and and Hispanic support. And it's really scary for Pennsylvania's electoral votes if he's the nominee in 2024. And Cr-
0: Christopher Nicholas, let me bring you in about 15 seconds here. Sorry, Chris. Uh, <laughs> I'm leaving you with this one. How worried are you about 2024 based on 2023? Or do you think it's a oh, whole new ball game?
7: No, I think it's a new ball game. But look, we have to defend our auditor general, our treasurer, try to win back attorney general. Uh, I am interested in that polling only in that there were so many swing voters who said they would not vote for Trump hmm. if, if he was convicted of a felony. There was like a 13-point swing wow, in wow. numbers on that. So Always got to check thing. the
0: cross tabs, yeah. absolutely. Um, <laughs> I, we have to leave it there. That's Christopher Nicholas, uh, Eagle Consulting Group. We were also joined this hour by Lauren Vitas and Act Strategies, Mustafa Rashid, Bellevue Strategies, Neil Oxman, Media Consultant, with The Campaign Group. Thank you all for being here. It was an enlightening
1: conversation. Yes, and that wraps our show for today great show today our producers are Debbie Builder, Paige Murray Bessler and Andreas Copes Al Banks was our engineer for today from Studio 2 at WHYY in Philadelphia I'm Cherry Gregg
0: and I'm Avi Wolfman Aaron, thank you everyone for joining us